Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast. My name is Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee, and with me today, as always, is Terry Ishi in Austin, Texas. How are you doing, Terry? I'm doing very well. It's good to have you here, buddy. Uh, always good to see your face. But also with us today is Joel and Brenna Varner in Albany, Oregon. And you're going, where the heck is Albany, Oregon? It's nowhere near Albany, New York. We have established that. Uh, the other side of the country. It's good to have you guys here. You guys, um, it's it's always good to have you guys. Always good to see you guys. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing great. Doing really well. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Well, hey, why don't we, uh, you guys are our Forge Albany hub leaders. Um, why don't you give us a little bit about you? Just give us a little like, who are Joel and Brenna? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Brenna Barner. Um, I uh, co-lead with a team here, Forge Albany. Uh, and also am a part of the Forge America national team. And I am a bivocational leader. So I also uh, work at a local medical school and train doctors uh, on good communication with their patients. Uh, and I'm also uh, pioneering a new network of missional expressions here in Albany. Yeah. And with me, I help with all of that as well, ministry-wise. And, and then I also am bivocational uh, work, uh, a little construction company doing their marketing. And um, and we have two kids who lived here in Albany, Oregon with, uh, we have teenagers now, one's driving and uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy growing up, them growing up. And uh, we lived here in Albany for uh, 15 years now. They've been, they've raised, we've raised them here and, and uh, yeah, we're deeply embedded in this, this community of, of trying to help reveal the kingdom to Albany. That's awesome. And one of the things I love, uh, Brenna, your job is, I, I never knew that job existed out there. Um, you, so say it again, you teach doctors how to have what, basically good bedside manners? Uh, yeah, it's a weird job. I didn't know it existed until I was working it. Uh, it you know, we uh, train actors and actresses to portray medical scenarios for the student doctors to practice their skills. So they're going to practice all of their physical exam, their history taking, and we're going to give them feedback uh, on how they communicate in a humanistic way. So it's a weird job. There's a little bit of acting. There's some teaching. Uh, there's medicine all wrapped up into one role that yeah, we try to create a, we call it a thera learning environment for the students. So it's a, it's a therapeutic learning environment. They're welcome to come in and make a mistake. Uh, and we want them to be ready to hear feedback. And so we give feedback a lot and we our standardized patients to give feedback in a way that um, invites collaboration and conversation and reflection. Um, so it's a, it's a challenge and it's an, it's an art. Well, Hey, one of the reasons we had you guys, we want to have you guys on the podcast is kind of, we want to hear, um, kind of the network, the things that you guys have going on with Forge, Forge Albany and how you got there. So could you give us just the story of Forge Albany, how you guys started? What does it look like now? What is kind of your vision, your dream, all of that? Yeah. So we, um, I mean, Forge Albany really, um, started with just us having a heart for, just our own neighborhood. Um, really, we we were kind of hearing this idea of, you know, what would it look like to um, live out the kingdom of God in your own neighborhood? And so we didn't know anything about that. And we just kind of uh, dumb enough to try. And so we just started doing it in our neighborhood and and um, living out these kind of like kingdom expressions in our own neighborhood. And as we started doing it, um, 
neighborhood came together, as they started connecting with one another, as they started um, serving one another, as we started having kind of spiritual and gospel conversations uh, around tables with our neighbors, um, so people would hear about it and they would start saying like, hey, can we join what's happening in your neighborhood? That sounds really, really cool. And I was like, no, absolutely not. You can't, you cannot show up because um, if a bunch of Christians just showed up in my neighborhood that you would freak them out. Yeah. And so I said, but I'll, we'll teach you how to do this in your own neighborhood or your workplace. So we just started doing that ad hoc. We just started, you know, pulling people together and, Hey, this is what we've been doing. And these are, we think are some good um, missional principles that you can live out. And then that started growing. We started kind of getting invited uh, with other churches to they say, Hey, come train our, our folks to come and uh, see how they could live out missional principles in their own neighborhood. So we started making partnerships with churches and then, um, it just started growing and developing and I moved out of full-time ministry to just really start doing this, um, more and let this be like really a, a full direction of our lives. And then we can say, well, we guess we got to make this official. We don't even really know what this is. Like, what are we doing? And, uh, then we decided to, to reach out to Forge America and created Forge Albany. And, and we just kept doing what we've been doing and we've just been working with churches and individuals to, to say, right, what does it look like? you guys to live out God's mission in your community. Yeah, that's so awesome. Man, I love I love hearing that story. Um, I know Joel and, and Breno, we've we've spent many a night over the years uh talking about old the old days of being in ministry and what that looked like and that old paradigm and and you know some of the good things and some of the not so good things and and so I'd love to hear from both of you guys how like how would you ver- how would you communicate or how would you verbalize how your calling has either shifted, changed, or maybe not even changed, but just been maybe deepened and rooted in what you're doing now? How, how, I mean, how how would you describe the shift from what you did as that old paradigm pastor that we we both have that same experience into what you're doing now? Uh, because we have people that listen to this and they're they're in that they're they're in that space where we were. Where they're like, you know, man, I I, I want to do this. How do I even get started? Like, the fear of of stepping away from it to do something that seems a little pure, that seems a little riskier. How how did you guys navigate that? You know, we just started, um, and we we heard about living missionally, and at, at first we were like, oh, this sounds crazy, and also I think we're supposed to do it. Um, and so we just started with our neighborhood with no training and no reading of books, um, you know, other than the Bible, uh, which is probably ill-advised as far as, you know, like just trying to jump in and do something. Um, but we, we just started simply with getting to know our neighbors. Um, and, and we've grown over the last decade and, and God has formed us in that. Um, I would say, um, you know, really in the beginning, my heart was to um, get to know my neighbors so that I could um, bring them to church or have a, a conversion story. I, I think, honestly, if I'm being really honest, it was about myself. Um, and, and as we've embedded and really gotten to love our neighbors, uh, it's really become more about my own shalom and about my own wholeness and that my wholeness is wrapped up in knowing and loving my neighbors and I get to experience the kingdom 
um, by living this way with my neighbors and blessing them and knowing them and being blessed by them. Um, so I, I think it's a, it's a journey that, that God takes you on and you, you take a step and you, you're going to mess up. It's not going to be perfect. You're not going to do it all well, but you, you take a step, you are faithful to show up and, and the spirit teaches you along the way. Um, and I think if we would have tried to lay a, a path of like, how are we going to step out of church ministry into this risky thing? Um, we could have had some ideas, but it's really been, um, we haven't known the whole path. It's just been taking the next step and taking the next yeah. step um, for us. I think the big um, one, like you said, a lot of our motivations in the past were mixed and muddled um, and we were motivated by a lot of really self, our own self-interest. We wanted a good success story, or we wanted to save our poor lost neighbors, or we wanted to have conversion stories, or like Brenna said, bring them to church or whatever that is. And then it really started to shift as we're engaging with our neighbors. God really opened my eyes to be like, would you do all of that stuff for them? Would you be living this life for them if they didn't respond the way that you wanted them to respond? And he really confronted me to say, like, you really have to love them be because you love them. Like you, and I realizing that all the things when Jesus would serve people, um, whenever he'd feed them, heal them, uh, talk to them, it always say, like, he looked at that those people and had compassion on them. He was always motivated by compassion. And I think that has to be a huge part of our motivation. We have to do it because we genuinely love our neighbors. We, and we want the best for them. And we're willing to do that regardless of if they respond in that way. And we're willing to pay some prices along the way. We're willing to change things in our own lives. We're willing to take a risky journey. We're willing to quit full-time ministries that seem very, very secure in order to say, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm stepping out in faith because my neighbors are worth it. They're, they're worth loving. Yeah, that was that was my tempted follow up question is what what did it cost you? Like, what was the price to do this? Um, but maybe we won't get into that. That's a whole nother podcast. But, <laughs> we don't um, want to scare people, right? <laughs> you're right. Yeah, just, if you're listening, just like Brenna said, just do it. Just start. Just uh, do it. It's so easy. It costs nothing. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Just take the next step. It's going to cost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's my question to you guys is, is, so you guys, yeah, so you, you had this passion to love your neighbors. You had this passion to really embed where you're at. And then it grew. And he, like he said, it grew into this thing where you're having other people saying, hey, we want to do that as well. And so that eventually you you connected the forge and said, hey, here's some here's a, some pathways, some resources, some tools to be able to do this. Um, Joel, you said you stepped away from full-time ministry. Both of you guys are bivocational uh, doing that. So give us kind of what it what does it look like for you guys to be bivocational and to not only do it in your neighborhood, but to help train other people, whether leaders, other 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 Christians in, in your town. What does that actually look like for you guys? It's a it's a dance you know, in our marriage of constantly kind of putting everything on the table and saying, in this season, who's doing what? How are we gonna how are we gonna share the um responsibilities how are we gonna what are we being called to and, and how are we gonna as a team live that out and so it's grown and changed um and how we navigate that um you know i would say just really practically 
when when Joel stepped away uh, at my job, I was able to take on more uh, and and to be able to facilitate that. And so the load, as far as financially, kind of came more on my end. Uh, he was freed up to start fundraising and to get his bivocational. And um, the exciting part is that that grew. And just in the last two weeks now, I've been able to go down part-time at my job to free myself up to have just more time um, to do ministry. So it's been a constant dance of um, where are we at? What resources do we have? Um, and how are we going to figure this out together? Yeah. And, and so right now, practically, it's uh, we're both three days a week at our uh, regular jobs and then two days a week uh, ministry for Forge and Forge America and whatever else is kind of wrapped up into that ministry we're being called to and um that's all um support raised we all uh we did support raising for to free up those days so that way everything that we do um in our neighborhood forge albany forge america everything we do we want to give away for free we want that to be a free blessing so um that's that's how it works practically bivocationally cool well how long have you, how long have you guys been on this journey? I mean, I know it feels like it's been forever. I mean, are we at seven, eight years yet? I mean, we started living um, intentionally in our neighborhood eleven years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you guys have been part of Forge America for how long now? Five, six years now. Okay, okay. I think I, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I remember I remember when you guys came to Dallas and we did the, the hub training and we met you guys for the first time um, and some of the things you guys were thinking about. And um, you guys, I mean, you guys have been such good friends and been an inspiration to, to me, my team, and the rest of Forge America, uh, and really across the, the tribe and, and what you're doing and how you guys go about doing it. But what, I, what I'd like to do is pivot really quick and I'd love to hear more about this new endeavor, this new kind of initiative, this project that you guys have been working on that I, I mean, I think it's been like in the, in the works over a long period of time, but just recently you guys have like really like, Hey, we're putting some stakes in the ground, so to speak. And we're going to, we're going to try something. So can you guys, what, what is that unpack that for us and, and tell us, I mean, what do you guys dream about when it comes to this? What, what, what might God do through you guys? Yeah. Well, with um, our Forge Albany hub and walking people through uh, a paradigm shift, um, people would be coming through training uh, and then, you know, they would go off and start living missionally. um, But there wasn't anything that we were connecting them to. Um, You know, we were um, sending them back to their churches and into their communities Um, But we had people that were consistently coming through the training over and over again. And we were like, why are you guys here? We've already talked about these things. You know what we're going to talk about. Um, But just as a, you know, I'm a shepherd. uh, And so seeing folks um, being on their own and trying to live this way was very, very much a holy discontent for me. I wanted those people to be uh, cared for, equipped, um, and in community. Uh, and so that was probably a two year, um, man, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I, I have a, a desire. I don't know how that's going to look. So 
you know, with these folks, um, we really started asking how is it that we could uh, live intentionally in community with each other and to sustain for mission? Like, what would that really look like? And what we didn't want to do was just to create, uh, great, we're going to make a new church now, because um, we have those. We have wonderful churches in Albany. We have churches that are getting after it. So we didn't want to create another Sunday morning service that already existed in Albany. Uh, so we started asking the question, if we were to really be lean and be a network of people who are um, digging wells of belonging across Albany, that they were creating places that people could belong to them and that they could experience gospel life, how do we create a community that sustains and equips uh, those leaders of those wells. So that was our starting point. Um, and, and from there, we, we pulled people together. We said, is this, you know, gave some vision for that. Is this something that you'd want to do? Um, and we've been spending the last year um, during COVID and quarantine, just working out uh, our calling and listening for what God is asking us to do here in Albany and, and the stories, that, the things that people are, are hearing from the Lord are really, really encouraging. And this network really, I mean, ideally, um, as people were being trained through Forge Albany and having their paradigm shifted, they're starting to live missionally. Um, ideally, it would be the church that their their faith community that would be ultimately responsible for for connecting them and resourcing them, encouraging them, knowing what to do with them, how to support them. What we were finding was is that, and, the, and that is, that some churches were actually doing that. Some churches are, or we're doing that. We're working with their leadership and the leadership is thumbs up with, with the training they're receiving and their thumbs up with what those, those missionary people are doing and they know how to uh, equip them, encourage them what to do with them. But there are just some, the churches are like, we don't know what to do with these people. They kind of became the black sheep of our church. We don't know what to do with them. And so we had one pastor was saying, and in some of these cases, you're kind of creating these orphans and you, you need to like start supporting them. So, um, and how are they going to, you, you can be that, that way of encouraging and supporting and, and networking them. So um, it's, it's really not to start something of our own. Um, it really is to say, okay, for those who are living missionally but don't feel like they have the support that they're they or encouragement or training that they're needing from their their current faith community how can we be that for them so basically you guys started a missional lost boys network yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah i love the vision because and, and and something you said joel that i think i hear frequently uh which is I'm, sometimes i'm still like I'm blown about, blown back by it that uh, 10 years into this thing. And I still hear people asking these questions is what do I do? What do I do? You know? And, and there, I think there are uh, probably pastors who are listening now who feel that same way. They're like, I love all of this. Yes. To the training. Yes. To everything that you're talking about. But like, what, do, what do I do? Like, how do, how do I help people? How do I get started? And, and that's one of the things that I've just really grown to love for love about Forge over the years is, is this ability to come alongside the church to help. And I think there are a lot of churches out there who, who are, would welcome that say, hey, come help us do this. And again, it's not about, it's not at the, the, the benefit or the cost of, hey, we're, we're going to create our own thing that's going to cost you, your people to be our people. And 
and that's never been the posture of forge it's never been about creating something so we can be our uh, our people but like no these are your people you know these are these are who god has entrusted you we just want to help you and so i love that vision for what you guys are doing so really the stories that we're hearing um from people who are a part of this this new network um we've spent time to really pause and to listen uh, to where God is calling us. Um, you know, we launched in COVID and everyone said, you know, don't start during COVID. And so we kind of used it as a time of, you know, we can't do a whole lot, but we can pray and we can listen and we can really ask some good questions right now. So that that's what we did during COVID. And there is uh, this one woman and, I, you know, you can't, you can't dream these things up. The, the spirit is the one who creates these calling callings. You can't create this in the people that you're leading. It has to be a work of the spirit. Um, one of the women, she came through forge training a few years ago, and, and then she, she kind of disappeared. Uh, and uh, six months ago, she just emailed us back um, and said, hey, I, I finished all the residency and I, and I know who I'm called to now. We're like, what, where did you come from? So we, we circled back with her. And, and when she was meeting with us and going to the residency, and she was really frustrated because she was like, you know, I don't think my neighbors are, are who it is and my husband's not on board. And so I can't really do it in my home. And, um, and she was very frustrated. Uh, and there wasn't answers right away for her. Uh, and in the, the process of her uh, really listening and, and taking a step back, what God has brought forward is she is an events planner and she got connected to an organization here that's taking a historic building and moving it and creating an event center for the community. And she got asked to join the board of this new events center. And she, it, it, it fell into her lap and she was like, this is, this is where God is calling me. And so she is seeing herself as a missionary to this event center. And so she's rubbing shoulders with the, her uh, fellow board members um, and working to create some, some good shalom here in Albany. And then there's another woman who um, has kids with extra needs and is very well connected in the community and uh, has been embedding in that community and, and being um, very intentional with fellow parents in the community. Uh, and she is processing right now what it would look like to start an organization for uh, job skills and life training for 18 to 25 post high school. And, and so we're having these conversations and um, you know, the woman that's starting the event center is like, well, I'm gonna have an, a, a kitchen and a place for you to, to host um, your training for your um, 18 to 25 year olds. And so that networking and that shared um, mission for shalom and goodness here in Albany um, and these dreams that these two women uh, are coming up with, um, you know, it's, it's not something that um, leadership could have just looked at them and said, you should do this. It's, it's, it was been a work of the spirit. I love that story, Brenna. It's so good. Um, I love to hear how things are tangibly done. Um, you know, it's, it's, we can spend a ton of time reading books and doing lectures and doing trainings and saying, Hey, do this and do that and all that great stuff. Uh, and sometimes it's just, 
ear candy, right? We hear it and nothing ever happened. So thank you for sharing the stories of how this stuff is actually being lived out, how it's it's going from training uh, to being lived out and, and seeing the, the kingdom become tangible. Um, well, one of the things that, to kind of pivot just a little bit. So one of the things that we're leaning a little, in, little into our prophetic uh, giftings is in asking the question, what are the questions the church should be asking? And so we've asked pastors, we've asked uh, parishioners, we've asked all sorts of people that question this season so far. And we'd love to hear your guys' thoughts and ideas when you think about what are the questions the church should be asking right now? Well, post-COVID, uh, the question that a lot of church leaders are asking is how do we get our people back, right? So that's that's like the number one question. How do we get numbers back? How do we you know, 50% of our church is, is missing. How do we get them back? How do we grow back again? And that's fine. You can keep asking that. But I think the question they really should be asking is how are we equipping and empowering our people to live out new expressions of, of the church? Um, and, and I get it that the question is being, the question of how do we get our people back is um, based in a bit of fears. Like, well, we're not going to make our more church mortgage. Uh, our salaries are going down. Like all these, these things are in question now and in flux. Um, so it's really, really hard to think of extending yourself now. Okay. How, how do we give away even more it's because we've lost so much, but I really do think the church is at a time right now where they can say, Hey, listen, um, we, we have some churches uh, partners that are basically like, we're almost kind of considering this a relaunch. Like, like we're at a spot now where we can relaunch. We, we've always kind of operated this way before, but COVID almost basically completely shut us down. So how do we relaunch? And instead of going back to the old ways, um, how, do we, how do we extend ourselves now? We, we have a, now an opportunity to do things that we've never done before. And I think the things that they should be doing is, not how do we get everyone back to support our ministries that we've always done, but how do we empower the people to do the ministries that has never been done before, that, that these new expressions and really extending themselves. So looking at their people as missionaries, every single one of them go, not how do we go back to the old ways, but what new expressions of the church can be pioneered now in these incredibly new ways? And, and how can the church be extending itself be moving beyond itself rather than trying to come back together again. And, and that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with the gathering. I think gatherings are really, really important, but that's all the focus has been on. How do we get people back to the gathering? And I think what we can say is when, when we come back to that gathering now, how are we focusing on the scattering? How are, how are we equipping folks to, um, to do new expressions of the church and honoring those new expressions of the church. I think that's another question that pastors can be asking themselves is what is the church? And, and um, we've have a very, we've had a very narrow definition of what church is. Um, and we've often been, it's church has been guilty of saying like, well, we're the true expression of the church or we're the church and you're not right. We, we always had this idea of like, um, new expressions that have been have been being formed we've always well that's not really the church we're the church you know and I, and it's we really need to be open to saying all right what are the multifaceted expressions yeah. of the church that we're all doing together and we can all honor and lift up together 
Yeah, that's awesome. I, that's funny. You that that's the question you guys uh, kind of bring. I've got a buddy of mine, Ryan Brought, in uh, in Pennsylvania. They're this. That's the exact question they're wrestling with right now. You know, COVID. Basically, you know, they were they were a small church. They you know they were just a small little community church. And um, basically, that as in our conversations, we've we've come to the term that they've been uprooted. They were a church plant 11. I mean, they're 11 year old church, you know, I don't know if you can be a church plant when you're 11, but they felt like it, right? Because they're very, it's very, very tender and very delicate, you know, when you're such a small church, but COVID has completely uprooted them. And we're, we're kind of the conversation we're having is, okay, what happens when you're unrooted? You know, what does it look like to be replanted? Um, and you know, I'm not a gardener by any means, but like, if, if there's a reason why a plant doesn't like do well in one spot, it's not very smart to plant it back or replant it in the exact same spot. It's like, you, you kind of like, Oh, well, let's, let's, let's go find some better spacing. Let's go find a better plot to replant this thing that there's, there's still some vitality here. There's something here. Let's go find a really sweet spot and replant it. But like now we get to do things completely different. Like we've learned those lessons when we're uprooted. How can we replant for for a stronger vitality, but also a bigger impact? And I think that's exactly what you're asking. And and that's huge. And so I think the churches and pastors that, you know, as they as they look at COVID and, and even as we come out of this, you know, things are starting to, you know, in Texas, we've already cured COVID. So, you know, you guys are all welcome. Uh, but as the rest of the country starts to open up and, and people start gathering again, man, that temptation is to go back to, to that old, the old ground and like, oh, well, let's, let's see if we can make it work. And sometimes it's better just to be uprooted, own it. And then like, no, let's, let's what is the new expression? How do we honor fresh expressions, new expressions? Yeah, it's really we good. always want to go back to Egypt, right? That's, that's sure. the thing. We always want to go back to what's comfortable, um, even though it didn't work. And so when things start getting a little scary, we're like, I think it's better back in Egypt. Let's go back. And we we do have to face that fear and we have to have imaginations that when things get tough, we're still going to move forward and honor these new ways and these new, like you said, fresh expressions, new expressions of the church. I mean, even just recently, um, I've finally admitted that what is ha- what God's been doing in our own neighborhood is, is an expression of the church. It, it is, it is an expression of the church. Now, is it the church? No, but then nothing is the church, right? And I think that's the problem that we've been saying is if you have these churches that say, well, I'm the church and you're not. It's like, well, you basically said you are the totality of church. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you are it and you don't need any other part of the body. And, and that's like explicit in scripture. Like no one part of the body can say to the other, I don't need you or I'm it. I am the whole thing, right? So there really is no such thing as churches. There is the church, the one body, and so many different expressions of it, so many different parts and expressions of it. And they're all, they all need each other. They're all connected yeah. together. So is my, is what's happening in our neighborhood, the church? And we've called this what, what people are doing in our micro church network here in Albany. We say, you're little micro churches. You are your little expressions of the church. Claim that, 
own it. You're not the church though, but then nothing is because we are all working together. We're all parts of the body working together and we're all little expressions of it. And we all work together and need together for the one mission of God. And we do that together. Ah, man, that's so wonderful. Thank you guys so much for, for, for being on the podcast and sharing some of those things and just sharing your heart and uh, all the things that you guys got going on. And so, uh, man, you guys truly are the real deal. So thank you guys for being faithful and, and um, just continuing to lead the way. So uh, if uh, if there's if people are listening and they're like, hey, we want to we want to get in your ear. We want some time with you. We want to sit at your feet and learn, um, which I, Brenna, I can totally see that. Joel, I wouldn't want to sit at his feet, but. Uh, if you're you're down for that sort of thing what's the best way for them to connect to you guys you guys have a website uh what what was just forgealbany.com the best way to go yeah it's forgealbany.org so type in forgealbany.org um uh just email us uh forgealbany at uh, gmail.com um or yeah just just go on the forge america website even too and and you'll not only find some of our contact info but you know if you're not in the uh albany oregon area area but you're in the albany new york area you'll find people that you can connect there too so there's lots of folks that you can you can walk this journey with that's so awesome well cool well before we before we end our time together we always like to end uh at least this season we're ending every podcast with a segment we're calling five quick questions. And so uh, this is just kind of a fun, you know, hear what, what people are reading and watching all that sort of things. And so uh, you guys ready for five quick questions? Let's do it. All right. Uh, so number one, what are you reading? Uh, I'm reading a couple things, but one of the things that just absolutely has been rocking my world, it's so good. It's um, The Making of Biblical Womanhood by Beth Allison Barr. Nice. Um, and the, the t- tagline is how the subjugation of women became gospel truth. And it is, she's a um, medieval historian. Um, so she is, is talking about the history of the church. It's absolutely fantastic. That's awesome. And I'm maybe going through the uh, Starfish in the Spirit uh, okay. by Lance Ford and Rob Wagner. If, if you want like um, some reading on like, okay, what, what is, what is a, network of micro churches actually look like what is what is that practically how how do you start how do you sustain uh, great is an incredibly good book really recommend it yeah we're hoping to get those guys on the podcast later this season so we're, we're crossing our fingers so very cool uh all right uh so question one that's an alan question Ter- question two is a terry question what are you watching what movies tv shows netflix what do you got I mean, do you want us to be honest? Is there anything left to watch? Okay. There's nothing left to watch. We've watched Ted Lasso three times through in the last year, right? So, I mean, you've got to you've got to watch Lasso. Um, the kids were on the Netflix, so I couldn't get on Netflix because they were hogging it. Uh, and so I was jumped onto Hulu, and I was like, "What is this weird tattoo fixers extreme show?" So I just threw it on, and we can't <laughs> stop watching it. It's a train wreck. It's like watching Tiger King. Like oh, it's yes. it's it's our new Tiger King it's, right now. Oh my it's gosh! Okay, the most awful show, but I can't stop watching. All right, what's the name of this thing? Tattoo Fixers Extreme. So people come in. It's in it's in London. People come in and they've got um, just mistake tattoos, terrible tattoos, tattoos that should never have existed in the first <laughs> place. Uh, and so they kind of tell the story. They show their tattoo. 
um, and then they cover it up with a new tattoo. Nice. Uh, it is not for the weak of heart. <laughs> sure, sure. I love good trashy reality TV. I can't help it. I know it's probably bad for my soul, but man, there's something about it that just it's fascinating. So Tattoo Fixers Extreme on Hulu. You warned. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm recommending it. That's, just oh, what we're that's all right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go check it out. The rest of you people don't, don't even bother. But it'll just be for us. That's awesome. Uh, all right, uh, question number three: What's the funniest quarantine story or funniest thing that's happened in quarantine? You know, I work for a medical school, and it is very. Um, very professional, right? Like when you're there, men wear ties and there's no gene, like it, you're, it's a very professional environment. And so it's been so funny to move it into Zoom where I work in my living room. And and so I've had so many outfits, which I have dubbed the professional dress mullet. So I will have a blazer uh, on with Santa pajama pants. Uh, and, uh, and so it really tickled me, these outfits that, you know, it was like, business up top and whatever whatever was on my floor that from the day before you know on on the bottom or what i slept in uh so i've got i've got lots of pictures from over the last year and they tickle me to no end that's so awesome love it yeah my my funny is is walking around the corner and seeing her in her mullet dress it's fantastic <laughs> so good uh question number four uh what is bringing joy to your to your life right now uh one of the, i mean for me and this is uh, super spiritual, not super, um, but I've been on a, a long journey. And I think part of my journey of even just with Forge is um, not finding my self-worth in what I do. Mm. And so most of my life, my self-worth came from my position, my ministry, my title as pastor, my whatever it was. Um, and as those got stripped away, it was really difficult for me. I, I was just like, who am I? Um, and what brings, what's bringing me joy is realizing like, I am, my self-worth isn't dependent on that. I'm, you know, as an image bearer of God, like I'm, I am, I am whole and complete and it doesn't matter what I do or it doesn't matter what other people think of me or what I say or my title, my position, and just leaning into that, um, has really brought a lot of freedom and joy to me. And so now what we do in our ministry is, is out of the excess of that. It's out of the freedom of that. I don't do it. I don't, we don't get to do what we're doing because it adds value or worth to me. I have value and worth, so I get to do these things. And so that's, that's been bringing me crazy amounts of, of freedom. And joy. and I think the joy comes from the freedom. I'm free to do this now. That's so good. How about you, Brenna? Mine's much less spiritual. Um, we had made a crazy COVID purchase. Um, it we just got a harebrained idea and we took all the money that we'd been saving for a kitchen remodel and we bought a motorhome instead. Awesome. Uh, and so I <laughs> awesome. love the motorhome. I love going on trips in the motorhome. I love fixing up the motorhome. I watch videos about people fixing their motorhome. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous, but it is... Um, it's an oasis and can just throw our kids in and they have to hang out with us and it's forced family fun and we drive away and go hang out the four of us. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Ah, that's awesome. Have you, did you guys watch Nomadland? Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, my daughter. We, I, I, I watched that. I forced her to watch that. I, I tried I, to be a good parent. I forced my child to watch really good movies, even though, you know, that doesn't have a superhero in it. Uh, but we watched it, and by the end of it, she's like, "We're, we're gonna get an RV, right, Dad? We're gonna get an RV." <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't know, but I, I feel you. I, I want to get in a vehicle, and I want to drive, and I want to be able to sleep in that same vehicle. So there's something. There is something, I don't know, I, I don't want to say romantic or sexy, but it's just something, it's special. It's just something, I don't know, I can't even describe it. So yeah, when you guys bought that, it blew me away. I thought that was so cool. It's great, brings you a lot of joy, but when you have to empty that septic, oh man, that does not bring joy. That is anti-joy right there. There's a price to be paid. Yeah, there's a movie quote I want to drop so bad right now, but for the but for our for the sake of our iTunes podcast uh, clean rating, I won't quote that line. But yes. just watch Christmas Vacation. There you go. That's where yeah. you can find it. So good. All right. So our final question. Uh, we love to end uh, five quick questions with your hometown, like where you live. What do you guys love? What's your favorite thing about Albany? Um, I mean, location wise, it's a really really cool unique place it's in the willamette valley and it's um about an hour away from the mountains so you get to do in the wintertime sledding snowboarding all that um it's about an hour away from the coast as well so there's a lot of coast stuff surfing and um hanging out there it's a hour 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 half away from portland so you get to go jump in the city if you want to um you get to experience all that but it's a small town it's a town of about fifty thousand, and so it's still got a small town feel you can drive across the whole place the whole town in you know five minutes um so it's not super big and um and not just not only the location um it's honestly the the people when we first moved here um it was for a job and that was it and then I had to ask myself like, okay, if I lose this job, would we go somewhere else? And we, we really looked at each other and we're like, no, we're here that we we're here for this community. The people, the mm. people in the community are really invested in this community. They really care about um, the schools in this place. Um, there's a lot of brokenness in this, in the city, a lot of brokenness, but people truly do care. They're not giving up on it. And so to be able to be a part of that is really, really cool. That's so cool. Additionally, about the location, it's also wine country. We grow Pinot Noir here. Uh, So uh, tonight we are driving our RV to a vineyard uh, and camping at a vineyard tonight. There's going to be a live band uh, and it's our friend's birthday. So we're going to go to a vineyard and listen to a live band and drink their wine. It's not going to be terrible at all. So that's another bonus with the RV, right? No no DD required. No, just just go right to bed. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. So it's always fun to hang out with you guys. Love you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, We appreciate any feedback that you can provide. Uh, Make sure you like us on Facebook and Instagram and uh, rate us on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, Refer this to a friend if you know someone who uh, is a similar journey to Joel and Brenna. If they're thinking about, uh, ruminating about what starting something might look like, I'd encourage you guys to reach out to them. Uh, Joel and Brenna have been good friends for a long period of time. And uh, like I said earlier, they are the real deal. And so, um, you know, they'd be a great resource for you as you think about uh, what your next steps might be uh, in mission. Uh, Thanks again for listening and we will see you uh, next time.